Who is Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, this is Your Holy Word. By faith we stand on it. And help us, Lord, when the time comes, we'll die for it. Father, we thank You and how great You are. As the psalmist said, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth, who has displayed Thy splendor above the heavens. Lord, right now we praise Your name. Lord, we praise You because You alone are worthy of glory, honor, and praise. You inhabit the praises of Your people. Lord, we see that in heaven You even made the four living creatures to praise You throughout all eternity. And even Your creation, Lord, will praise You. And even more so, man who is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb will praise You. Made in Your image, Your very image. So Father, we thank You. Lord, we thank You for Thy Word. As we read this morning, it is more desirable than gold. Yes, more than fine gold. It's sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Nothing in this world, Lord, is sweeter than your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, now at this time, as we look to your word, may we let us taste and let each and every one of us taste and see how good you are. Lord, give us ears to hear your sweet, gentle, all-powerful voice by your blessed Spirit. We pray, O Lord, to give us eyes to see. I salve, Lord. Anoint our eyes. Give us eyes salve to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Lord, most important, most important, we pray, Lord, give us a heart to understand, to apply these truths. And this can only be done by Your blessed Holy Spirit because there's nothing within us that we can cause this to happen. Your Holy Spirit must change us. Give us that, Lord, we pray that we may be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, Your Son, in whom You're pleased in. Lord, we'll be careful to give You the glory and the praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The great question of the ages is, who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? And I, can I tell you right when we open up the Gospel according to John, that the Apostle John by the Holy Spirit gives us the right answer. John 1.1 1, 1. God's Word says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This great passage from Holy Writ is probably the strongest passage in all of the New Testament for declaring the deity of Jesus Christ. And, and when... We're going to look at one verse today, verse 3, but I'm telling you, when we finish this, you will see why it's so important for us to stand on this solid rock of who Jesus is. He is that rock, and He is the beginning. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He did not have a beginning. He has no origin. Even though He was born in a stable, that does not mean He is a created being. He existed with God the Father and the Spirit before the world was. That means He was incarnate. 
He was made flesh. And we'll be seeing that later on. That's verse 14. The Word, and the Word became flesh. But as of right now, we're looking at His beginning, and He has no beginning. All living creatures have beginnings. Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. And as far as our little, weak, feeble minds can, can go back to, the Lord Jesus Christ was already there. Actually, our minds cannot really take it. The Holy Spirit has to help us and reveal this to us, and He has done this in His Word. The Lord Jesus Christ was there. And as we saw last Lord's Day, Jesus Christ is pre-existent, Jesus Christ is co-existent, and He's self-existent. Verse 2 says, And He was in the beginning with God. This beginning, beloved, is in the Gospel here, and John opens up with this great truth. And it is tied in with the beginning of creation. And this is what we're going to look at. This is wonderful. It's tied in with the beginning of creation. Genesis 1.1, we're so familiar with it, but listen to God's Word. In the beginning, God. He is the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, beloved, this reaches beyond and takes us into a glimpse of the Godhead. The Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. One God, three persons. That great mystery. But God, the Godhead is there. And as Jesus prayed in John 17, 5, I pointed this out last Lord's Day, but it's a great verse. It's a great verse. And listen to Jesus praying. This is hallowed ground. This is hallowed ground because He gives us a glimpse of the glory that He shared with the Father. And here He is praying. And listen to what He prays. Oh, Father, glorify me together with Yourself and with the glory which I had with You before the world was. That glory that He shared. And He gave up that glory and came to the earth. And what He does, what He's talking about, he's, now He's praying to the Father and that the Father would glorify Him together with Himself and with the Father and before the world was, and then he's going to go back to that after his death and after his burial and after his resurrection. Hallowed ground, beloved. Hallowed ground. We're standing on it. Especially when we open up to this. Now we come to verse 3. Now listen very carefully to what the Word of God says. All things, not some, all things, were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. The, the NASB ha translation has it like this, says it like this. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being. That has come into being. Either translation does, because it's God's Word, but... All things is made by Him. I looked this up. Strong's Dictionary says this about the Greek word logos. Logos. This is very good. The Greek word was used to speak of the principle. This is a Strong's Dictionary. Of the principle of the universe. The principle of the universe. Even the created energy, the created energy that generated the universe. 
And the term Logos may have some connection with the Old Testament presentation of wisdom as the personification or attribute of God as seen in Proverbs chapter 8. And that's in quote of Strong's. But here we see the word, the Logos, Jesus Christ, did not become, he's not a created being as the cults believe. That's why they're cults, because they believe in that. But Jesus was. He was, and He was with God. He's the Logos, the Word, the eternal Word. And His equality with God, as well as association with God. He is equal with God the Father. This is amazing. The Word was God. He's deity. And beloved, say, without confusion of the persons of the Trinity here, that's the pre-existence. That's the pre-existence, verse 1 and 2. Basically, it looks as the pre-existence of the Logos. And now, verses 3 through 5, as we travel here, now speaks of the cosmic Logos. The cosmic Logos. In other words, Jesus Christ was and is the Logos who was the agent, that's important, the agent in creation. This is so important because this is so much under attack today. It's been under attack for actually hundreds and hundreds of years, but it still is under attack. And there are many, many cults and groups of religious groups that does not believe that Jesus Christ is equal with God the Father that He created. He is the agent that the Father, the Father created it, but Jesus is the Word that created it, the the world, the universe as we know it, the matter. This is amazing. This takes us into worship, beloved. And I want this to be more of a worshipful service. And it should be, shouldn't it? That's why we come. Just not information, but worship to transform us of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 3 actually introduces to us that the word, the Logos, is the very Son of God, is deity, Jesus Christ. We stand on this. We affirm this and believe it. This verse sets forth also the both the act of creation and the state of creation. The act of creation and the state of creation. This is my basically my outline today. And we're only, only, only going to look at two points. So the Apostle John spoke of the act of creation positively. It's positive. And the state of creation negatively. The positive state is this, the first in, uh, portion of that verse, verse 3, all things were made through Him. That's the positive. The absolute, the second statement is, and without Him nothing was made that was made. That's the state of creation negatively. So we're gonna, that's my outline, basically. We're going to look at those two points. The positive act of creation and the negative state of creation. The positive act of creation and the negative state of creation. Let's look at first the positive act of creation. The positive act of creation. That is found in verse 3a. All things were made through Him. All things. All things. Let's look at that. Refers to God's created order. 
God's created order. God's created order, again, is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God the Father created the world, but through God the Son. How do we know this? Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. 16 and 17 is a major two, major two passages on this. The Apostle Paul, through the Spirit of God, gives us this revelation. Awesome. Listen to the Word of God. For by Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, by Him, all things, there's the all things, were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And again, he says it, all things, all things, were created through Him and for Him. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. In other words, in a nutshell, what Paul is declaring is Jesus Christ is Lord over all things. He is the Lord. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why the whole theme of the book of Colossians is is the preeminence of Christ. That Jesus Christ is Lord. He is preeminent. He is worthy of glory and honor and praise. He is who He is. He is Lord, beloved. No one can say Jesus Christ is Lord unless it's by the Holy Spirit. And we're not just talking about what cults say, well getting up and saying, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord flippantly. We're talking about a strong belief that Jesus Christ is ruler, sovereign over all things that He has created. Nothing, nothing is said here, by the way, of class. Nothing is here said of categories, of the angels of which Jesus Christ created, holy or unholy. The, uh, it is Jesus Christ that rules over them. So, Jesus Christ created the The order of all things. This is the creative order. All things came into existence by the Logos, the eternal Word of God, by Him and through Him and for Him. Actually, Paul says this in Romans 11.36. When he burst out in doxology as he went into all that deep theology of Israel and the Gentiles and the rejection of the Gospel and how the Gospel came to the Gentiles and and then he just bust, burst forth and he quotes Isaiah. And then he says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. And then he says this, to whom be glory forever. Amen. John MacArthur says of that great verse, God is the source, God is the sustainer, and the rightful end of everything that exists. End quote. I like that. God is the source. God is the sustainer. And He is the rightful end of everything that exists. Glory to God. Glory to God. How about Hebrews? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Here's uh, a wonderful passage of Scripture that also declares Jesus Christ as being deity. Wonderful. Hebrews 1 Verse 2 and 3 says this, In these last days, spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also 
He made the worlds. Just not the world, the worlds. The entire universe. Verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of, of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What a verse. I couldn't help but go to... Uh, Puritan John Owen's commentary again, once again, because he's been such a nourishment to my soul every time I read that man. And they, they would just, if you cut, like, like Bunyan, you, if, if you cut his skin, he bleeds Bible, basically. These men just ate and breathed the Bible. In his commentary on Hebrews, he says this of this verse, whom he has appointed heir of all things appointed heir of all things by whom he also made the worlds. Listen to what he says. Quote, There are three things intended by the word heir. Number one, title, dominion, and lordship. Title, dominion, and lordship. Number two, possession. Christ is made actual, the actual possessor of that which he hath a title to, unto. Number three, he hath this title and possession by grant from the Father. It's granted to him by the Father. He is appointed heir of all things. He is the author of the gospel. Being heir and the Lord of all things, whatever the sovereign disposal of all the rites and the ceremonies of worship about which the Jews contended must needs be in his hand to change and to alter them as he saw good. Also, also, he being Lord and heir of all things, it was easy for them to conclude that if they intended to be made partakers of any good in heaven or earth or any way of love and mercy, listen to this, it must be by an interest in him, in Jesus Christ. And then he says this, the next words events this sense, by whom also he made the worlds. He made all, and it was meet he should be Lord of all. Jesus Christ was appointed heir of all things. End quote. That is so powerful, beloved. This text in which we're looking at in verse 3, all things... Not some things. All things were made through Him. Through Him. He is the agent. The Logos. Every detail of creation. Every element. Everything. Every small detail. Each being. Each being. Each created thing. Each person. Jesus Christ has made. I'm telling you what. If you think about that and put a seal there. That would bring you to a place of awe and worship of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they say they've studied this, that even snowflakes... <clears throat> excuse me one second. <clears throat> snowflake. Each or individually has its own beauty. Just like each person is a different person. There's not another person like you. It's like each snowflake that falls is unique in design. 
And each person, you know, isn't it amazing? You look at the creation in which God, Jesus Christ made, and, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. About the, the Spirit, the whole tr- Godhead was included in creation, and the whole Godhead was in together, inclusive, and redun- redemption as well. We will look at that. But what I love about creation is the variety that God has, the beauty. There's nothing too alike, even a tree. Not, not, each tree is unique. Each person is unique. Each creation, all of God's creation. And, and God is a God of variety. Just look at the birds. They, they, they don't even know how many of the fowls of the air, how many <coughs> different breeds of birds and animals and so forth. It's, God is an amazing God. and it's, it, When you see this, you just cannot help but think how great in His wisdom that He made all this and spoke this into existence for His glory. Now, He made each material, matter, and spiritual, angelic, and every human being. It's come into existence by Jesus Christ. All things were made. The Greek, the Greek word here actually is ingenito. 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 It's, it's the word in which we get generate. It means to generate. You know, you, you have to have generation, a first creation, before there's regeneration. A new creation, see? That's how this works. Uh, where we get the word generate, that's the Greek word. The cause, it means to cause to be or to become into being. Think about that. Only the Creator can do this. Only the Creator can allow, cause this to happen in generation. No, man has not figured, and they can never do this. They cannot make a tree. But yet a giant, enormous tree begins by a seed, reproduces itself, and then look at the trees. Uh, even the trees are marvelous of, of God's creation. But look at each person created in the image of God. To become, to become and to make into being, to cause it, to make it. God did not take something outside of Himself, beloved. And this is something i like for us to think about for a second. Because if He did take something out of Himself, it would be less than perfect. Because everything that He made, and if you read the record in Genesis 1, everything that He made was good. He saw that it was good. And he said, very good. Good. Very good. And when he created man in his own image, very good. Sin has marred it. That's the problem. Sin has caused it to go down. And even in that sin and fallenness, Jesus Christ is that remedy. And he even even did something about that. He, he, He accomplished redemption. Isn't it beautiful? And it's almost like his own glory, he saw his own glory marred and his handiwork marred and is the creator. And there's nothing that lies within us and ourselves that causes us that we can come to salvation. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to come and I'm going to do the work because this is my creation. And I'm going to take it and put it back together again for my glory. That's what he says. You see, think of that. Nothing, nothing was existing at the time when the creation happened. It was only God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the, the, that was the, they were the only three persons in the Trinity that were there. 
Before creation, no substance, no matter, no time, no light, no darkness. Only God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit was existing. Amazing. No origin from everlasting to everlasting communion. Blessed, holy, blessed, perfect communion within the Godhead was there. The Logos, the Word, made all things. Jesus Christ. Creation came into existence by the sheer power of the Word of God. God's power. God's wisdom. Through Him. Through the Logos, Jesus Christ. All things came into being and was the one. And He was the one who created all things. He spoke the Word, which is He is the Word, created every single thing out of nothing. Isn't it amazing? Not by chance. R.C. Sproul's got a book about it. Not, not a chance. And he goes into that whole scenario to, to, to defend the doctrine of creation, of God's creation through the Logos, and that God is the one who is the creator of all things. It's absolutely ludicrous to think that an explosion just came out of existence out of nowhere and caused all this to happen. I, I, I'd like to tell people about this. Yeah, there was an explosion. God spoke and bang, it happened. <laughs> By the power of God's Word. The person of God. It always points to the, to the source. Jesus. Jesus Christ being the agent. He spoke and the Word created every single thing out of nothing. Think of that. Out of nothing. Exil- Ex nihilo, ex nihilo. I think I said that right. Is the Hebrew God's breath? Christ was the one who created all things. Among the Godhead, Jesus Christ was the active agent. As I said, this is so important that He was the one that the person who made all things in creation, and it was His function, and it was His work, and it was for His glory and His pleasure. Text says, all things were made through Him, through Him. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 8.6. Look, look at this. This is beautiful. This is a wonderful verse. Brother Keith opened up with 1 Corinthians. That book is amazing. Amazing book. Two of them, actually. First and 2 Corinthians. But actually, 2 Corinthians deals more with the the apostleship of the Apostle Paul and defending that apostleship and without in any way boasting of himself that this is his calling. He had to defend his apostleship because of the false teachers that were basically just slandering what he said and what he wrote to the church. But 1 Corinthians, basically, he, he, he sets a lot of things straight. He sets the record straight to a very carnal, worldly church. Think about this. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father. Notice what he says. One God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for Him. And then he says this. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Isn't that wonderful? One Father, one God, Father, of whom are all things, and we for Him. Notice the the communion, the oneness there. And one Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, he's speaking of Jesus' deity, through whom are all 
things and through whom we live. We live and have our being in Him. Beloved, can I tell you this? The cults, the cults such as the Jehovah Witnesses, I'll name them, say that the Word here through, through Him makes the Word Logos inferior to God. How ludicrous is this? Inferior? What a wrong, distorted view. These deceiving false teachers, and you know Satan's behind this, because if there's one thing that Satan wants to do is take away the deity of Jesus Christ and to deceive people, making people think that Jesus is just another created being over here and not God. Actually, Satan comes to him as Jesus started his, his ministry in 40 days and 40 nights. The Spirit of God drove him in the wilderness, speaking of Christ, and Satan was there to tempt him, to be tempted of the devil. And he comes to him and says, if you be the Son of God, he knew he was the Son of God. He was trying to lie and try to bypass Jesus from taking to the cross. That was his mission. But it didn't work. And Jesus put him to flight with the Word, the written Word. The living Word put him, the devil to flight with the written Word. However, here out here, the correct view of the creation of the worlds was executed and made jointly in perfect harmony with the Father and the Son, the oneness, the Father, the Son, and even the Spirit of God that was hovering over the world. The oneness. We let the Word of God defend itself. I love what Spurgeon says, let the Word loose like a lion and it will defend itself. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul, once again, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Another wonderful passage of Scripture. i got a few more with us, so have your Bible ready. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. 8 through 11. I love this. Listen to the Apostle Paul. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Listen to that. You're talking about humility. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, to me who I am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. There it is. In God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers and the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a verse. What a verse. Praise God. The psalmist, if you go to Psalm 33.6, it's just one verse, this whole chapter is wonderful. But here in Psalm 33, verse 6, it stands out because it says this, By the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth, by the breath of His mouth, And if you jump back to the New Testament in Hebrews 11, in verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed 
by the Word of God. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are invisible. And we believe this by faith, don't we? Well, all things, all things were made through Him. That's the positive act of creation. Let's go to the second point. Next, we see the absolute statement, the negative, the state of creation. What's the negative And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Again, there is not one single thing that the Word did not create. And He is God who spans and exceeds time, space, and He never overlooked any detail in His creation. After all, He is God all-wise, immortal, invisible God only-wise. All things came into being by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and it was not by random and chance as we mentioned. Jesus Christ brought the universe into into being. Jesus Christ, the eternal word, the Logos, brought all matter into existence. Amazing. Spoke it by the sheer power of His word that He's all powerful. And I like the way Tozer put it. He spoke about this. And God did not try hard in doing it. It was effortlessly. See, this is beyond our mind because we're such feeble, little, weak creatures of the dirt. But when we speak of God who has all power, all He had to do is speak it by the Word. And it happened. And Jesus proved that very very much when He was here in His earthly ministry when the storms were raging and the disciples were saying, Lord, save us, we're going down. And then Jesus came out and He rebuked the the winds and the sea. And, the, and all that, and Jesus said, peace, be still. And it was a great calm. Just by the power of His Word. Every single thing in this entire universe, think of that, the entire universe owes its living existence to the Word, to the Logos, the eternal God. Jesus Christ was actively involved in the creation of every single thing. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Only the Creator can do this by His wisdom and His power. His wisdom and His power. I was reading Adam Clark's commentary. He said this, and I love this. Quote, God is said to have created all things. And in this verse, Christ is said to have created all things. And the same unerring spirit spoke in Moses and the evangelist. And therefore, Christ and the Father are one. And to say that Christ made all things by delegated power from God is absurd. Absurd. Because the thing is impossible. Creation means causing that to exist that had no previous being. This is the evident, is evidently a work which can be effected only by, by omnipotence. Omnipotence. And then he says this, Now God cannot delegate His omnipotence to another. I love this thought. Why? Because where this this possible, He to whom this omnipotence was delegated would in consequence become God. And He from whom it was delegated would cease to be such. For it is impossible, Clark says, that there should be two omnipotent beings. End quote. I love that because 
If God were to delegate that authority to someone else, like an angelic being, to create, that means God would not be God. But God is God. And God is sovereign. And God is creator. And there's none like Him. And isn't it wonderful? He's unchangeable. He'll never change. Everything else is going to have a change. But not God. He's immutable. So the creator of the ends of the earth, in which Isaiah 40 expounds on so wonderfully, must himself be uncreated since God, the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth, is eternal. He therefore was never created. He is the creator and he created all things through Jesus Christ. Well, let me work toward my conclusion and application because we have communion today. Christ himself, the son of the living God, in all reality in time, space, in heaven, in earth, and in hell itself, even hell. Everything had a beginning but God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, folks. That's why He is worthy of praise. He is the pre- Jesus is the pre-existent Christ, the pre-existent Logos, created everything by Him, through Him, and for Him, for all glory to Him, for His purposes. Now, in this conclusion, I'd like to take you to some worship going on. We looked a lot at the beginning. Now we're going to go to the end. Go with me to Revelation chapter 4. I want you to see this because this is wonderful. And folks, this is really what it's all about. This is what our life as a Christian is all about. I like what Tozer said. He takes rebels. God takes rebels and makes worshipers. Think of that. Your purpose as a Christian, my purpose as a Christian, is to worship. 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 I cannot say that enough. And listen to this. I'm going to take you to the Scriptures. Revelation 4, 9-11. through 11, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, these creatures God made, glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. And what do they do? They cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord. And this is what they say. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And listen, for You created all things. You created all things and by Your will they exist and were created. That is worship. They're giving worship to God for the creation that God is the creator. He is the source. Notice, in, notice this and, and, and the, of these four living creatures in verse 8 that God would actually made and created in verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Folks, I'm telling you, worship to the Father, worship to the Son, worship to the Holy Spirit, the three in one, constantly, throughout all eternity, never change. God desires this worship because He is the Creator. He's worthy of that worship. Same vision that John the Apostle had, the prophet Ezekiel had it. The same awful vision uh, Isaiah had it. The prophet Isaiah and Daniel saw the same God, the same throne. 
And now here is John the Apostle is showing this to us by the Holy Spirit, written in Holy Writ. Now, the heavenly scene in, 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 in worship here is non-stop. It's never-ending. And notice the elders in, in this verse. 24 elders, by the way. Verse 10. They cast their crowns before the throne. They're casting their crowns before the... What does that say? It symbolizes... The will to surrender. All that they have. They're surrendered the authority. Their, their lives and all that they are. In which God made them to exist. For the worship of God. And His love and His praise and thanksgiving. Because He's worthy, isn't He, folks? In the light of the worthiness. We are unworthy. But God is worthy. He's the only one worthy. And because He's the Creator. No one. No one but God can create. Amen? He alone is sovereign. He alone is the creator. And he's, he alone is worthy to be worshipped and recognized because he is who he is. But can I say, it doesn't stop there. Not only God alone is to be worshipped for all he is in creation, but there's another. He's also worthy to be worshipped in what he's accomplished through his beloved son, not only as the agent in creation, but as also in redemption. This is the good news. This is our song forever throughout all eternity in heaven, folks. Look at Revelation chapter 5. I love this, don't you? What I love about Revelation is it takes us right into the throne room and where we see what true worship is all about. And Revelation, Revelation, and you can go to Genesis, they're like bookends. We see the beginning, the origins of all things, and we see how sin has messed things up, but God restores it all through Jesus Christ. And now in Revelation 5, and I want to read a little portion here. I just look at verse 6 through 14. And I looked, and behold, this is John, and in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, there's the four living creatures again, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain. And having seven horns and seven eyes and the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. What the scene is showing us is that if you read the first few verses, Jesus is the lion who is a lamb. And he comes to the Father, to the throne, and he takes this scroll that only he is worthy to break and to loose the wrath. Upon the earth in which he created. And look at verse 8. And then now this really is starting to burst into praise and glory and worship. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, listen to this, this is great. And the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. He never refuses worship, does he? You know why? Because Jesus is God, he's the Son of God. Each having a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There's our prayers. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And having made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, could you imagine this? 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That is a perfect sevenfold the, uh, doxology. Per- it's perfection. It's the highest praise. And it goes to the Lamb of God. He, he became incarnate, folks. And this is what we're going to be studying later on. But He became incarnate for the purpose of redemption. That He may have a people that He would redeem a church to be with Him, to love and to praise Him and to give glory to Him throughout all eternity. Folks, that's what we're all about. We are to be worshipers. And anything that would distract us from this worship to God, we must put it down and put it behind us. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea... And all that are in them, I heard them saying, all of creation, blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four and living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. There's one more place I want to take you. And I want you to see this. This is glorious. Go with me to Revelation 19 in closing. I've got enough time to bring this out. We can't miss this. Revelation 19. You know what Revelation 19 is all about. This is the consummation, folks. Jesus Christ comes back. And all His power and glory with all His saints and all the holy angels. Folks, this is the second coming of Jesus Christ and this is what we have to look forward to. Notice in verse 1, After these things I heard a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven. That worship continues, folks saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. We cannot hear that enough, can we? Salvation, glory and honor and power, it belongs to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments, because He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and He has avenged on her the blood of His servants shed by her. And again, they said, Hallelujah. This is the day that they've been waiting for. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God and sat on the, who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants and those who fear Him, both small and great. Notice that? Those who praise Him. All are servants. Underscore that. Servants. And also, not only servants, but also those who fear Him. Folks, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. It's the fear of the Lord that we have the wisdom. Even the beginning of that wisdom. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude once again in verse 6. And the sound of many waters as the sound of mighty thunderings. Thunderings is speaking of the judgments. And saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. This is going to happen. And His wife, this is the church, has made herself ready. We're going to, God's people will be ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. 
For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> I'm telling you folks, this, is, this is, should give rejoicing to our heart of what God is going to do. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have the invitation and now she's ready. Isn't it glorious to know that you are personally invited to be there? And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And notice, well, notice the reaction. Verse 10, and I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. And what he was doing, he was going to worship the angel. The angel said, no, no. I'm your fellow servant. And of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And notice this in verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened. Behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is glorious. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. You know, we could try to figure out that name, just forget it. I don't care what theologians on this earth can try. We don't know. We just don't know. But it's a name only he knew. He knows. And notice this in verse 13. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. This is going to be on his vesture. The Word of God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And verse 14, And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed Him on white horses. And out of His mouth goes a sharp sword, and that with it He should strike the nations. And He Himself will rule, with, with, rule them with a rod of iron, and He Himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a Savior, folks. The Word became flesh. Dwelt among us. We beheld His glory and of the... Of, this is verse 14 of John chapter 1. And of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now is the age of grace in which we could come to Him and repent. But it comes this day right here, folks, there will be no repentance. This is it. This will be the finality. All praise and glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What I'd like to do here, right at the conclusion, before we take the Lord's Supper and before I say a prayer, and we go and participate in the Lord's Supper, I'd like Elizabeth to go to the piano and just go through this one verse, and I know everyone's familiar with this wonderful, wonderful doxology. The doxology itself. Amen? And you can remain seated. But I want everybody to sing it out to our God and how great He is. He's worthy to be praised. Amen? He's worth, he is the Word of God. He is the Word of God.
Hope sounds. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's pray. God, our Father, You alone are worthy to receive honor, glory, and praise. Lord, this is a time of worship and we reverence You and we thank You, Lord, for the creation in which You created it. And we, Your creation, O Lord, and to whom we owe allegiance to, we worship You. And help us, O Lord, to worship You in spirit and truth and in the beauty of Your holiness. Lord, we need Your Spirit to help us. What a marvel it is and what a wonder it is that the One who created us and the One who created all things and You have ransomed us and purchased us and bought us with Your precious, precious cleansing blood that flows from Calvary's cross. Thank You, Lord, for creating us, Lord. Thank You for our existence. But more than that, Lord, thank You for redeeming us and Given us a new nature and eyes to see these things. Lord, help us to see Jesus more and more. Oh God, thank you for sending your Son. That you love this world so much. You love your people to redeem us so that we can worship you for all eternity. And Lord, we pray, sanctify us holy. Transform us more and more into the likeness of your dear Son, Lord. This is the, he's the only one that truly pleases you. Rebels like us, Lord. Rebels that have been fallen from the ravages and thorns of sin. Made us worshipers of you, God. Unworthy are we. Unworthy. But you are worthy. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Savior you are, God. Father, Son, Jesus Christ, and blessed Holy Spirit. May we show forth the praises of You that has called us out of darkness into Your marvelous light. And Lord, this is for Your glory and Your honor. Now bless us, Lord, as we come to the communion time to participate with one another and to remember the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ and His death of our precious Redeemer and all that He's accomplished through death, His death and His burial and His resurrection. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.